Hello and welcome to episode 3 of Board Games Ireland. I'm Gavin and with me again is Frank. Hi there. Uh, and yeah, yeah, we're, st- we're still here. Still going. We are still here. <laughs> this is our third um, third podcast. Um, we're casting it right now with words and then we'll send it off to the potters later on and they will um, put it on on a radiogram. Very good. So yeah, as, as we said, we've been doing this for... <laughs> <laughs> three episodes now so yeah we're feels so, like feels like at least six so yeah we're still working out what way to do this best so we'll be doing a, a bunch of more segments this time we do have prepared intro music for the segments yes yes uh, that was a failing last time but yeah w- one of the main things we were talking about on the last one was your your board gaming controversy was lack of board game cafes so there has been some developments in that area or yes. no i've just well people have brought things to my attention yes and uh, my attention well. too my things were brought to my attention yes. um and there's a new controversy there's a whole new controversy okay yeah yeah we've got so we've got a new corner later on yes. well we yeah we should probably just we can start talking about that because um we have uh, yes so since the last podcast a, a new uh, sort of venue location is opened in dublin city center called clockwork door now it's not quite a board game cafe but there's no stop playing board games there um in fact it's an incredibly flexible space where you can just sort of go in and use uh, the space for sort of almost anything yes um but the way it works is it's a time a time they have a word for it yes with time, timerism or yes <laughs> <laughs> time 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 shack uh, like that, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah basically you pay for how much time you're there and while you're there you can just sort of help yourself make a cup of coffee take some biscuits make some toast it's all pretty relaxed and but the thing is it's quite a big space and there's tables and and there are a selection of board games there and they're mostly sort of classic sort of stuff so yeah. but they have assured me that they'll be getting in sort of new contemporary stuff so uh, in that case it will function almost identical to a board game cafe that you go in you pay for just the time that you're sitting there and you just play as many games as you want that's it at the moment it's not a bad spot to go into and just uh play um just sit down and play a board game that you bring along yourself yeah uh, we did mansions of madness there because the nice big tables are great and it's a bit quieter environment than where we normally <laughs> tried to play mansions of madness and uh yeah we do our it's trying to move our D sessions there as well so we've done two D D sessions there and it's worked out quite well yeah. um we got an interview with kieran from clockwork door which i guess we can play now okay Hello, and uh, we're out and about for the first time with our roving report recording equipment. Uh, we're sitting here in the Clockwork Cafe. Clockwork uh, Door. You're quite right. <laughs> it's the Clockwork Door, and that is an important point yeah. because we will get onto the door in a minute. Mm-hmm. It is a cafe also, but the door is an essential, integral part of it. We're sitting here with Kieran. Hello, gents. Hi. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Kieran, tell us all about this uh, this venture, this cafe of yours. Um, well, first of all, it's not a cafe. That's something I have to get very clear because um, too many people think it's a cafe where it's the business structure and absolutely everything we do is quite different to a cafe um, and we don't fit into that category at all. You're quite right. I'm one of those very people. I thought it was a cafe. <laughs> But in fact, no, you have a very different model indeed and quite unique to Dublin, as I understand. Yeah. Uh, quite unique to Dublin, to Ireland and possibly the world. So, yeah, if you can explain the, the whole concept yeah. of the place. Then. So uh, we don't fit into the cafe category or restaurant or hotel or anything else. So we, we had to create our own category and we're calling it a time house. So a time house is effectively um, a set of rooms, each 
in our case, designed in a very cosy, homely way to give the, the feeling and atmosphere of a living room or kitchen or whatever part of the house that is inviting and friendly and, and a cosy place to be. Um, and we charge our guests at a minute rate. So the minute rate is quite low um, at a time of recording. It's eight cent a minute maximum. And there's various things to bring it down to as low as two cent a minute. Um, we have six active rooms and we'll try to open our seventh uh, as soon as is practicable. Um, we have a games room, a what we're calling the halfpenny room with a view overlooking the halfpenny bridge. We have a main room uh, with couches, tables and everything board gamers would like. Uh, we have a cozy room and an office studying room. Yeah, I guess I guess we should probably focus on the board game element before we yeah. podcast. Um, yeah, you do have a selection of board games there, but I know you're planning to get um, additional ones in as well. Because basically, fundamentally, this is very similar uh, into how, how board game cafes run in a lot of other cities. And we were saying only on a recent podcast, um, why don't Why? Is that, that was our controversial, yes, yes. Our controversial corner. Yes. Um, the last podcast was all about why is there no board game cafe in Dublin? And... Um, while you're not a cafe, and you're not only end of board gamers, you are ideal for board gamers. Um, we can come here, and we can we we tend to gravitate towards the novel anyway. Yes, and, and novel and big tables and big tables. I cannot stress the tables <laughs> here are excellent. <laughs> they are the largest I have seen in some time. Very sturdy and flat, and good to play games on. Thank you. That's exactly why we got them. Yes, good. And in addition to that, uh, you have um, uh, tea, coffee and biscuits, which is also very useful. Yep. So going with our whole um, ethos to give you a homely atmosphere, all the the tea, coffee and biscuits are supplied there in huge varieties. We have just under 100 types of tea, um, coffee with all those types of fancy syrups and uh, bottles and bottles of bottles. jars and jars of biscuits um, all different types and we kind of rotate them and because of our structure they're all free and unlimited so that gives you the homely feeling you're not worrying about your consumption while you're here the biscuits in a bottle experiment probably didn't go too far I, I, I've tried to take a bourbon out of a, out of a champagne bottle once and I was hospitalised uh, yeah so like I said, yeah, they're very big tables. Board game selection is quite large, but they're mostly more traditional stuff at the moment. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, you're, you are talking to gamers world about getting in additional stuff. But again, you can just bring your own games in as well, which, which is what we, we've done in the do, past. Which yeah. Because uh, we did a rather large session of uh, Mansions of Madness here one week, and having a big table for that's quite good, because yep. it sprawls that game. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, so our you're right. Our collection right now is a lot of the classics. They're, they're simply the ones we could source easily mm-hmm. in the, you know the last month and a bit. Um, we we have a lot of the games that are called nostalgia, like uh, you know there's Monopoly. There's also Rock'em Sock'em Robots, and uh, it's not really a board game, but it's it's games and such. 
Um, and yes, we're going to get all the new ones as soon as we can. Um, just starting a business on our own, we don't have the time of day to d- get oh, everything yeah. done at, at one time. But I think the in- really interesting thing about this is how flexible the space is. Like you really can just make it of, of it what you want. I mean, there is rooms for like a business meeting or if you want to, yeah, you have the projector here as well for screenings. Uh, so it's, there really is this, it is a, <laughs> a great space for you. You can just really do whatever you want. But um, this evening we were doing a um, D&D session. Yes, <laughs> doing D&D. And also, um, you can make it your own. So you can wander about. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to sit at the table. You don't have to feel like you, you're sort of being in part of a bar or something like that. No, you can just kind of wander about and do what you like, which is great. Um, and that really adds to the relaxation of um, board gaming. Um, now, one thing I do want to mention again is the door, because I missed that out at the beginning. And the door is important. Because essentially, um, the front, shall we say, the bit of this place that faces the world, literally, is the door. That's it. It's a door. <laughs> now, you have painted on the door, I believe. Yeah, mm. we have cogs and the name, of course. And the name, clockwork, clockwork door, and the cogs mm-hmm. and the art. Um, however, it's one of those doors, and many doors are easy to miss. Probably, I wouldn't know how many, because I've missed most of them. <laughs> but, um, the door to get away. The door to get away. It's one of those doors that gets away. <laughs> Um, so, and also, I perhaps it might be the sort of thing that people, passing trade, people walking in the street, may be a little intimidated when they see something just says a clockwork door and it opens up and there's some stairs. How likely are they going to go in? There may be a bit of a fear factor there. Absolutely. That's the biggest hurdle we're, we're trying to get over. Um, people are initially skeptical of all things, especially a stranger on the street trying to get you to enter a door. Um, <laughs> But I've seen from the reactions of people, as soon as we get them in, as soon as they understand what this new concept is, they are just bursting with praise and, and uh, incredulity that such an amazing place is here, it's in Dublin, it's hidden away, but now they know the secret and they can't wait to tell their friends. Um, yes. Yeah, because yeah, that's the other thing. It's really central as well. Like it literally is right on the Haypenny Bridge. Right on the Haypenny uh, Bridge. Next to the sushi place. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Just down from Merchant's right, Arch. Um, yep. So yeah, you are you're on meetup.com. I think that's how I found you because we're fairly big on meetup. That's the yep. bulk of Board uh, yep. Game Ireland's presence. Uh, but yeah, you also have a Facebook page as well that people can find you there. Um, what you have opening hours? What are they? Uh, at the moment, we're working on twelve noon until ten p.m. Yep. Um, and that's our provisional starting kind of times. When we see this sort of traffic that we will have coming in and going out, um, we will change that accordingly. Yep. We're really hoping that there are people kind of still here at 10 o'clock. Um, and if it's above a certain number, we'll, we'll keep open as long as they need, basically, until yeah, exactly. the crowd dies I, down. Again, it is great to have something in Dublin that's not a pub that opens late. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you traditionally it is all, all of our game meetups and our D&D meetups have definitely been pubs because that's really, that's all that's available. But yeah, for a non-drinking place that yeah. has large tables, yeah. it's pretty good. So yeah, I would recommend people come in and check this place out. Uh, one big question is... Um, where did this idea come from? I mean, what on earth made you think of this? Um, this idea is a lot... It's a bit of hybrid and a bit of um, necessity, which is the mother of invention. So um, I have been living out of Ireland for the past six years. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I very rarely came back. I was, uh, I was a little bit in America, a little bit in Germany, a little bit in uh, Russia. Right. And um, on the few occasions I came back, one of the things I wanted to do, of course, was to meet with my friends 
somewhere comfortable, somewhere very inviting. Um, in the center, it had to be somewhere central. Um, and I found that the only places we could go to were a bar or a cafe. And they didn't really appeal to me because I didn't want an overpriced caffeine product. And I didn't want a loud alcohol field venue. I wanted to sit somewhere comfortable mm-hmm. and just have a place to talk. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so um, I came back after a long time away. I was in Dublin in March. And I just so happened to be in the city centre for um, Good Friday, which is when all the pubs, bars, everything that sells alcohol is closed. And uh, I was really disappointed in the city that Dublin city centre was a ghost town on that day. It was it was depressingly empty. And I felt that Dublin has nothing to offer except pubs and, and alcohol and that sort of thing. Um, so I said Dublin definitely needs an alternative, a venue, a cosy place, a great meeting place. Now I'd seen this idea in Moscow, what they're doing they have uh, is an anti-cafe. Mm-hmm. And they run in a similar way. They, they are a cafe, they give the cafe experience, but they charge for the time rather than the coffee. Yeah. Um, so that basic principle was, I thought it was fantastic. Now that they give, they look like a cafe, they operate as a cafe. Um, and they have the cafe atmosphere. Um, and I took that, the business practice of what they're doing and applied it to the need of Dublin for that cozy living room space in Dublin. Okay. Now we were fantastically lucky with the premises we got. Um, it's, it's huge premises um, and it has six rooms and a kitchen um, that we can all, that we could style in, our, in the way we wanted. So because we had this space, we were able to do with it the things you know there was the initial idea was one or two rooms right and they would be just the core of the whole place yeah but because we have these extra rooms we could also dip into a bit of this a bit of that we have our video games room we have our cozy room we have our office room we have and they're all lovely extras that i can put on sure but the focus is still being a living room in the city center yep that's um one of the things uh, that did surprise me uh, when i first came here is the size of the place you really can walk around the rooms are huge um yeah it's one of the great things about it yes and yeah the video games is interesting as well because i'd have another more successful podcast (laughs) about retro (laughs) video games so yeah it'd be interesting to to look into that aspect of it as well oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, and i'm of course a huge video gamer myself i mean my first uh console was a playstation one many many years ago and i i played i played that thing until it was burnt out (laughs) until it couldn't go anymore um, so what, half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I played a lot and I, I loved it. And there was a great sense whenever I played games. Of course, you play with a friend. Yeah. And it was not the playing of the game that attracted me. It was the you know social part of it. Yeah. Um, so everything like the games we try to focus on are all multiplayers. They all focus on doing stuff with friends. Yeah. And um, that's you know the whole ethos of this is to be a social venue. Okay. Because um, yeah, that was one thing, I think, like the last Halo game that came out on the Xbox One, it didn't have split screen. So you couldn't oh, right. sit on a sofa and play it with your little brother. Yeah, yeah. So that was an aspect that was completely missing. And yeah, everything's going online now oh. where people can say horrible things about your mother <laughs> or a headset. Whereas, yeah, when you're sitting in the room with the people, are, you're probably less inclined to insult yeah, people's yeah. mother. So yeah, yeah, that aspect well, of gaming you, is... It okay. does happen. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it didn't happen because people were playing against their brother. Yeah. So insulting the mother doesn't really work. Um, as for setting it up, we received the lease 
on the 12th of July and we opened, no, sorry, the, we received the lease on the 12th of August and we opened the business on the 15th of September. So one month to completely yeah. go over the yeah. whole building. You like you know the size of it and the mm -hmm. listeners that come in will also see the size of it. Um, so we did it at lightning speed and um, it was just the two of us in it entirely, myself and my dear and suffering wife. <laughs> Um, we've done everything. We've we've found all the furniture. It all came up the stairs on my own back. Huh. Oh, um, that's a narrow yes. staircase. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, absolutely everything. There's a lot of pivoting to get that sofa to the door. Um, I can say just for for people listening um, that this room in here that we're in, uh, the walls are covered with um, maps uh, from all around the world, uh, from basically Mumbai to Hoth, um, everywhere. It's one of those sort of idiosyncratic uh, yeah. decoration things that you will find here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've long been a collector of city maps. And it started some years ago while I was in America. And um, I've bothered every one of my friends, family relations, and even strangers um, who were traveling to anywhere foreign to bring me back uh, various city maps. So I finally have a premises with enough wall space to put them up. And I went about that. Hmm. Um, I'm very glad for any listeners who would bring me in a map. Um, of course, any gifts like that will result in a reduction in your fee. Crazy. <laughs> so. Careful that there's a lot of map crazies out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, Thanks. that's it. Cheers, listeners. <laughs> Have a good day. So that was Kieran from Clockwork Door. Yes, excellent. <laughs> uh, there, now, there's other places as well and that was brought to my attention just this week is Square Ball. Now, they've been going a bit longer. It's a bar, um, but they've been committed to trying to buy 500 board games for the for the venue. Yeah, that's an ambitious start. That's pretty good. And I mean, they're going in with the 500 first. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so they still have, they have a huge selection as it stands now because um, I think they've been spent the past year like building up this collection. Uh, but like I'm just looking at the list here, there's some pretty good stuff in there uh, i mean you have all the, a bunch of different timelines you have doomtown uh dixit formula d jaipur favorite of mine yeah. uh splendor seven wonders with two expansions sherlock holmes consulting detective yes that's yeah, a great that one, one to have there yeah yeah um yeah boss monster code names um yeah take the ride remember 44 uh battlestar galactica just the stuff that pops out of me game of thrones yeah, so there's a huge amount of stuff there. And the way they operate is you pay eight euro plus 20 euro deposit, which you get back if you haven't like eaten the board game. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, you can then just go up and take as many board games as you want throughout the day yeah. uh, for for that price. And I think because it's one of the body tonic bars, if you are, have body tonic membership, which I think gives you perks in all of their bars, um, that's the likes of Wigwam and Bernard Exactly, Shaw. just to iterate, body tonic is, with, yeah. is membership is for places like Wigwam, Places with cool, men with beards other. and tweed. And, yes. Yeah. Not who are trendy. Not like me, who's just horribly old-fashioned for having a beard <laughs> and uh, putty holly glasses. And uh, I, I just have ac uh, accidental beard. I'm just horribly out of date, which just happens to be in date at the moment. <laughs> so it's kind of strange. But it's not, um, as the name might imply, it's not gyms. It sounds like a membership for some kind of strange gym where you take substances and get very big, but it's nothing to do with that. I don't know why they call it polytonic, to be honest. Oh, Mr. Mr. O'Connor, I do declare, what tonics have you been taking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so yeah yeah so yeah. it looks interesting i haven't got in there myself yet um but yeah i hope to pop in during the week uh they are up on where they're located on oh i got oh yeah hogan place in dublin too so it's just a um down yeah, the I think road from Marion Square. Down the road from Marion Square. So, yeah, it, from looking at the, uh, they have that one of those weird Google Street View things where you can like sort of drive straight into the bar. Uh, you can <laughs> see, um, you can sort of change it to degrees. So I've counted, I think, six or seven tables, reasonably sized tables in the sort of back room where the board games are. Yeah, we have to go there and check it out fully. Um, take a visit and see. But um, all the signs are indicating that it's, uh, it's got promise. Yeah. Um, I mean, then we can maybe do some sort of survey of our members as well, see if people want to move location or see if they're happy with Alfie Burns. Or we'll Yeah, see. we'll do a rigorous survey. We, will, um, yeah. we need to make sure it's rigorous. Plenty of checks and balances in. We'll put people at the polling stations just to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't want to, uh, to have a survey where people can, an online poll to rename the group to <laughs> Boardy McBoard Game Face. Or <laughs> that, that would be great, though. <laughs> that would be funny. Because, you know, they, they they repeat the word boardy and they put face on the end. That's an <laughs> excellent idea. So, yeah, that's the uh, this the uh, square ball on Hogan Place. Uh, then another one that came to my attention uh, is uh, down in Cork, actually, um, called Tabletop Cork. And they have a website at table cork, tabletopcork.ie. Uh, you can find them on Facebook as well. They seem to be gearing up to open a board game cafe soon. But at the moment, they're running a, um, a, a pop-up sort of cafe board game cafe in the roundy baron cafe in castle street uh in in cork uh, i'm not I, 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 my cork geography is not too good so castle street is one of the main streets i think um that's where michael collins originally played um board games oh, okay yeah around there that area uh what what was his favorite board game <laughs> he, he really liked ticket to ride okay it's controversial <laughs> Um, Eamon de Valera hated it. He, yeah, he, yeah, he loved um, um, Cosmic Encounter. Yeah, and they, they, <laughs> they had real arguments about that. Uh, okay, so yeah, that's, so that's just like three new options as pseudo semi sort of board game cafes that we currently have um, uh, here in Ireland. <laughs> yes, uh, Cork once again proving itself to be in the vanguard of cool. So we were going to talk about um, just some um, board games we've been played recently. Um, now I, I know you want to do uh, an unboxing. So I want we'll, to do an unboxing. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do that as a special segment. But uh, you haven't played this one yet. This is one I got off Kickstarter recently. Um, called uh, "Don't Mess with Cthulhu." Mm-hmm. It's actually sort of a reskin of uh, Yusuke Gato's Sato. Gato Sato. Yusuke Sato. Uh, that, uh, he, his I game have to was. Stop you there because that was entirely and totally incomprehensible for the last about thirty seconds. What you just said there. Okay. You said some Japanese over and over and the over again. The game was yeah. It, it, this game is designed by Yusuke Sato. I thought okay. it was. It's a, it's a bad font on the box, so I thought it might have been a G. So it's yes, that, I've done that. Yeah. I've done that many times. Um, so the game was originally called Time Bomb, but I think um, indie cards, uh, indie board and cards, uh, picked up the. Um, they're famous for uh, things like uh, Avalon and mm-hmm. uh, and so forth, and Coup and things like that. That's their big, big ones. Um, yeah, they picked up the rights, and I guess they thought Time Bomb terrorists mightn't sell too good in the Western world. Or <laughs> so <laughs> let's stick Cthulhu on it because that that always sells, That's, and uh, it's public domain. Uh, just let's ignore the fact that uh, H.P. Lovecraft was <laughs> horrible racist. <laughs> was he? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, all of that, all that weird others and stuff coming up from the sea. Those are immigrants. 
Oh, of course. And I having sex see. with yeah, her, yeah, having sex with her white women and the <laughs> tentacles and everything. Yeah. yeah, no, I get the connection now. But he was he's a horrible racist. That's much worse uh, than just a racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really rather than a, 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 an adorable <laughs> racist. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So it, it, an adorable racist. What a conundrum. Oh, he's such an adorable racist there. But yeah, putting Cthulhu on a box tends to sell things. But that I said, that said, I mean, I kickstarted this. Uh, I think yeah, it didn't cost too much, but uh, I think you can buy it, probably buy it standard now. Um, it's quite good fun. Um, as one of these, it's just different enough to those sort of um, hidden roll games. Oh yeah, uh, like Avalon and things like that. Yeah. To it's just different enough to be really fun again, and because played those games to death. So, but in what way is it? In what way is it different? Okay, I'll explain the way it works. So. Um, it depending, it scales again to how many players there are. So let's say there are um, 10 players. Um, that means that three players could be uh, cultists. Right. Then everyone is dealt out the entire deck of yep. cards. And in that deck, there are elder signs, there are cards that are nothing. And then there's a card, maybe one, depending on how many players, if there's a lot of players, if it's 10 players, I think there's two Cthulhu mm-hmm. cards in the entire deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everyone looks at their cards and places them down in front of them randomly so they don't even know yes. what which cards are which that are in front of them. And then it goes around in rotation. Uh, you, The person will pick, turn over a card in front of someone else. Yeah. And then it goes to the next person, they turn over a card in front of someone else. And then once everyone's turned over one card, all the cards are taken back, shuffled, and then everyone gets like, now they've got four cards in front of them instead of five because yeah. it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But yeah, that's the thing. If the Cthulhu card is ever revealed, the cultists win. Okay. So it's instant game over. Yeah. So what you can do is everyone goes around and also declares what cards they have. Yeah. So you'll say, I've got two Elder Signs and three that are nothing. Okay. Or you could say, I have Cthulhu, don't turn my cards over because there's a chance you'll turn Cthulhu over. Uh, and of course, if you're the cultist, you're going to be trying to game this yeah. system. If you yeah. have a bunch of Elder Signs, you will say, I've got Cthulhu. So in the hopes that no one will turn your cards over. Of course, because naturally in this game, this is where you can yeah. lie. Yeah, so there's can... loads of really interesting ang- new angles to lie. <laughs> yeah, okay. So I had a lot of fun with it and I seem to be very good at this particular one. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know if it's really easy for the cultist to win because I just kept winning again and again on this, mostly playing as a cultist. Uh, and again, and there's no mechanic for the cultists to know each other either so oh, right. you just okay. sort of you can like go in and you can be the obvious cultist so yeah, yeah. but they even being the obvious cultist helps because it means you could have the elder sign cards and people aren't going to believe you yeah so you can make it look out yourself so there's so many really interesting strategies that sort of emerge as you play it and it's very simple to teach the rules and it just runs really really quickly and yeah it was just a, a really good good fun i'd definitely recommend it because it's again it's one of those little ones it's very small you can yep. fit it in your pocket and it was fairly cheap i don't know if the kickstarter one yeah because i think the standard version only needs to go to six players so because i backed it on kickstarter okay it's got like a module to expand it to um to 10 players and then there's also extra stuff in there as well which are like the necronomicon and things like that like you can see what someone's role is like sort of sort of perishable stuff that you get in avalon and um is it is it available in in all good shops i'd imagine it's probably going to be yeah indie indie boards and cards tend to make their stuff fairly well available i yeah. don't think i've seen it in gamers world yet but then i haven't been in for a bit um mm, i may have seen it there yeah. recently yeah. I'm not sure but de- definitely uh, one I'd recommend anyway uh, don't let the I know we're all probably a bit cthulhu out by this stage but uh, uh, <laughs> it sells Cthulhu sells and uh, yeah it, I mean it could be anything um, 
It could be. It doesn't necessarily. I, so I'm guessing the original version was Time Bomb. So it's, yes. it's got a different team, but it, it works. The Cthulhu team works on it. It's immigrants now. Immigrants. It's, it's immigrants, immigrants oh, from God, under the yeah. sea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, oh, you want to do your uh, unboxing? Uh, uh, no, let me just pull up your unboxing music. So yes. Are you, um, you want to get before, your box ready? I'm going to get my box ready. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, and listeners out there in the podcast world. Um, I'm about to do an unboxing, so um, if we if we just run you the might want to stand back a bit from your yes audio receiver yes <laughs> stand back because it's a big it's a big unboxing now coming up first time exclusive on our podcast number three. Okay, take it away with the unboxing. Today's unboxing is Ticket to Ride, Rails and Sails, and it begins in three. Two, one. Don't know what that is. Oh, mm, yeah, I don't like that. Don't like that. Some trains. God, this is complicated. Cards. Cards? They got trains on them too. Oh, I don't know what that is. Oh, here we go. Let's see now. Got this. Ow! Ow! Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's the board. That's the board. It's a very big board. It's a very big board, and it's got the world on it. It's the entire world. Wow. The entire world. Yeah. The weird thing is. Um, they never did this before because they have to make the word look really weird, like squish it all up. Like Greenland is tiny. It's like that, that map, you know, the, of the, what the world really looks like. Yeah. It's mad. I know as they have gone with a controversial choice of this board game box in that the previous tickets rides were more um, rectangular and now it's square. Yes, that is, that is, um, <laughs> I, I was questioning whether I should go anywhere near it. For yeah. that reason, but because um, it's yeah, it's not going to fit right with your other particular right ones. But then I think that sort of square shape is tends to be the best shape for board game boxes to fit on your shelf. It's the rectangular ones that will throw you out now. And the spherical ones are the worst. Yes. They, uh, they never <laughs> well, work. tell me about. I've got the um, my my copy of Bang is the um, the copy that's it comes in a giant bullet. Yes, and that can't fit anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it, all it looks just very, looks like an oversized suppository. It's <laughs> it all looks very cool on the on the table, but you know, it's just impractical. Okay, so, so that's, that's unboxed. It's well unboxed. Uh, it's well yeah. unboxed. It's all over the place. Yeah, you'll now. have to rebox. I don't know if I can play the music backwards for reboxing. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, let's, that might summon the devil. <laughs> let's pause the music for a while, and I can tell I can tell the listeners all about um, Ticket to Ride ra- yeah, Rails and Sales. Yeah, I'm excited to play it actually. Um. Now, the first thing about Ticket to Ride Rails and Sales, it's a new Ticket to Ride. It's the whole world, and um, it involves not just trains, but also boats. And they have new um, pieces, which are these ones, the tiny little boats, lots and lots of them. Okay. And you can go by sea and you can go by land because it's the whole world. And boats go on the sea and trains go on land. Yeah, and you need tickets. You need tickets? Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call. Would, would it be, did you say boat ride? I guess you could say boat ride. You, whatever it is, you can't ride <laughs> without a ticket. Yeah, that's part of the game. Yeah. Um, so this um, is a game that um, Tom Vassell. Hey, folks, Tom Vassell. Him. He famously um, 
said this was the worst, um, this is the first version of Ticket to Ride that he actually didn't, actively didn't like. He really didn't oh. like it at all. And um, he's played them all. He loves Ticket to Ride because mm-hmm. it's his favourite game. And I think what he likes about it is that it's quite... It's quite a simple game, really. It's sort of everyone's sort of like intro game, sort of first mm-hmm. time gamers that yeah. go ticket to ride. And simple games um, have their advantages. One thing about a single game is it's very relaxing. You you can play it for the social element, and you don't really have to focus on thinking through a lot of strategy. Uh, my strategy is always just take all the cards, take so, like the, the cards, entire yeah, deck is in my hand. <laughs> but that's one of the great okay. things about this. You can't do that in this. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Because you have. Um, two decks now you have one deck for the trains and one deck for the boats and you take from the trains and the boats because you need boat cards for your boats and train cards for your trains but when so there's two cards there's two trails of cards normally you'd have that one trail a boat a boat trail not boat boat cards Boat boat, boat, no, boat, 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 <laughs> boat, 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 cards? boat cards, boat cards, and there's boat a difference between boat yes. cards and boat cards. Okay. There is. Um, <laughs> there's boat, 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 and rail cards. <laughs> both cards are cards, <laughs> whereas boat cards are cards with boats. Yes, yes. Does that clear? That I makes it very couldn't clear. Be no? clearer. That couldn't, couldn't be clearer. That couldn't be clearer. Some of them also have anchors on, and therefore they're different cards. But. We basically we have in standard ticket to ride you have a stack of cards with all trains and you show you reveal about five of them and you can pick from the revealed cards or you can take from the stack and when you pick from the revealed cards you put out more trains that's it here you've got two you've got trains and boats and some people will want trains and some people want boats because the, the tracks on the game uh, go to different places in different ways so when you take from the boats or from the trains you can replace them with either boats or trains so what you can do is just leave nothing but boats out or Mm -hmm. nothing but trains out so it's no longer a game of just collecting all the cards you have this extra element now where it becomes more strategic and hence more complicated because you can actively work to make sure the players don't get the cards they need um so this is a new dimension to it there are other ways of doing it as well that there's um uh, there's a lot more opportunities to block other players single routes and everything else so what they've tried to do is make it into a more complex strategic game Mm -hmm. i think this is why tom vassal didn't like it because it's um it's not really that simple that nice easy fun ticket to ride there was a thing on um uh online a while ago a little algorithm about why people play board games and there were different dimensions one of them was like for social reasons one of them was strategic one of them was I just want to win. Exactly. Another yeah, one yeah. was um, all the uh, custard creams that come with it, all that sort of stuff. So people play them for different reasons. And this is one of those games you can play for a social reason. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to engage and talk and get on with others while playing this. Um, and it's not really the strategic player's game game mm-hmm. of choice. Yeah. It's not really Twilight Imperium, for example. Mm-hmm. So people, Twilight Imperium players will not like this. Mm-hmm. They'll be in it for the strategy. I think um, what they're trying to do now is mix it up. They're trying to have more strategy to it. And for me, that works. I yeah. think that's um, that's an interesting way okay. of going with it. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely one I'm interested to try. I haven't played Ticket to Ride any version for quite some time, actually. <laughs> so uh, it's time to get back on that wagon. Train. Train wagon. Train wagon. You didn't want to say wagon. train, did you? Train. Train. train is too obvious. The train, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you say boat. Try to boat. get back on that boat. That's boat. <laughs> Uh, 
yeah, so that's uh, yeah, um, so that's what we've been playing recently, I guess. Uh, I know there's been other ones I've been playing, but, but <laughs> uh, I'm hoping to try out. Actually, I've never played Firefly, and I think I know someone's bringing that along today to me. That's up, been so. around for ages, though. Yeah, hasn't yeah, it? I've never played it, so I'm kind of. I've never played it either. How people yeah. talk about it. Um. So now you are going to do your corner corner. Yes. Now not to be confused with boat boat. <laughs> no boat. <laughs> corner corner coming up. Okay. Hello and welcome to this week's Corner Corner. Now, last time we did um, Addict's Corner, and in that corner, we, myself and Gavin, agreed on two things, which was one that um, addiction is a bad thing, and two is that we're both addicts. And that pretty much exhausts everything that's possible to say ever about addiction in any way at all. So, we're going for a different corner this week. This is Corner Corner. Um, now, in the last podcast, we chose the. Um, Southwest corner, I believe. Is that correct, Gavin? Was that I believe it, yeah, it was somewhere in that direction. Yeah, and at the time, that corner did seem appealing, but we overlooked the northeast corner here in the studio, which is actually a beautiful corner. Um, it's made of uh, white panelling, and it's flush against a nice carpet tile. So if anyone's thinking of a corner, uh, well, I think we both recommend that one. It didn't used to be white. Um, see, it's soundproofing on the walls in here. But it's broken because when the soundproof members they decided to paint it white, which covers up all the little sort of pores, these tiny little holes oh. in the in the in the material, which lets the set absorbs the sound better. But yeah, because they're all blocked up now because someone painted this. Well, everything I think white, it was worth it. It kind I... of broke the soundproofing. <laughs> my my personal motto is a good corner is always worth some sound leakage. Yes, and um, in this case, I think that's well proven. Okay, so corner corner. If anybody else has um out there has a favourite corner, please do um, <laughs> contact Gavin. <laughs> Email yes. Gavin and describe the corner in detail, um, and we will feature our favourite corner on corner corner next time. Good, good, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, one thing we should probably mention as well, because since the last podcast, uh, NaveCon happened, so we both went down to Dave NaveCon. Uh, we did with a bunch of other people as well, and yeah, it was good fun. And DaveCon as well. We went to DaveCon. That was just Dave in the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know what what, what did we play during the day. There we played. Um, we definitely played. We played. <laughs> we drank a lot. <laughs> yes, yes. That's uh, one of the things that goes on to all the Chinese, day. Chinese food as we well. We had Chinese food with free ice cream, um, and we did a film with the Lazy Susan. Yeah. Do you know, just as a sideline, yes. that the word Lazy Susan? You know, in Chinese restaurants, they have these. Um, Rotating. Well, this Chinese restaurant. No, in, in others too. It's okay. not just this one. They do exist in other Chinese okay. restaurants. But this one has a spectacular example. It's the thing which is a circle on a table and you can rotate it and all the food goes around. That is called a Lazy Susan. And, interestingly, nobody knows why. Yes, yeah, lost mm -hmm. to the mists of time. Not even Google know mm -hmm. why that is called a Lazy Susan. Perhaps they do. It might be in their special warehouse of things that only Google knows. It's like full of crates and it goes maybe, on for miles and miles and miles maybe if there's a lazy susan whistleblower out there if they could drop the uh the, the information <laughs> on wikileaks uh <laughs> yeah we'll yes, get we the department to know. Once it's obvious all. there's obviously something behind it because yeah, you don't you, you don't just call a chair like uh you know a, 
a lax Dorothy or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's it's just not the right name for a person. Yeah, it may be too dangerous for someone to speak out against uh, Big Lazy Susan. I think it's a code (laughs) word. I think it's something to do with the NSA. It's a code word and there's more behind it than, than we think. But anyway, that's just an aside. Yeah, because other, other than eating in a Chinese restaurant and using a lazy Susan, uh, yeah, we played some board games. I think on the day we played, um, yeah, we played that one. Peter had the one, um, uh, oh, Cry Havoc. Cry Havoc that, uh, played. We, we played, which was interesting, it was but enjoyable. Peter read the it. rules wrong. And like, so he, he, had a special rule. he had a special rule for himself to let him keep taking cards and none of us were taking cards. <laughs> so he beat us all very soundly. Uh, so I would like to play it again with the actual rules. It would be great. Uh, <laughs> um, we played we played Revolution. Yeah, Revolution's like. a good little game. I'd love to pick up a copy of that sometime because it's just Yeah, I've, I've it's on Amazon. I'm going to I'm going to probably just try and order one. There's an expansion for it as well. Oh, well. More um, cuz yeah, it would be nice. Is this the expansion add extra players because it's just four players, which is a bit I think it does. Yeah. I think it does add an extra player. Okay. Cuz um, yeah, Revolution's kind of an interesting one. The mechanic is you have like everyone hides like their little board and you place uh, resources on different segments of that board so it's sort of area control worker placement to a degree mm-hmm. um, and uh, so you will put like oh I'll put five coins on the harbour and if no one else and then everyone reveals and if someone else has four coins on the harbour and you five coins then you get to place a worker in the harbour and control area control the harbour yes. Um, but if both of you have five kinds, no one gets control of the harbor. Yeah, which is so great. it's all about like bidding in secret on these different things, hoping that other people haven't bid on these. Uh, and some of the bids are bids for more powerful bidding tools like blackmail. Yeah, and force, brute force is yeah. another one. So you can bid for those, and then those will beat any amount of coins or whatever. Yeah, but then there's certain locations that you can't use force on and certain locations yeah. can use blackmail on and yeah so it, it can, it's a it, no it's it's a nice really nice little game yeah I and it, it, it looks complicated but it's actually really simple and quick we, to we teach. always play it we always end up playing it when we go down to navcon it's very good it's kind of part of the experience now so yeah we're good to get it and play it up here in dublin what else did we play yeah it's all about haze something. now yeah there was, was your zombie game oh yeah we played some of the yeah, city Blue of horror yeah yeah that's Tower always Blue good fun uh Lots of arguing. <laughs> yeah, it was lots of arguing. Oh, we played that old game um, when they were throwing us out at 4 a.m. Oh, Space Crusade. Yeah, we yeah. tried to play some Space Crusade at 4 a.m. <laughs> just, we played just enough to get a sense of nostalgia. It was, it was good. So we got a sense of nostalgia literally as they took the chairs away from underneath <laughs> us. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that was good. I'm looking forward to probably be April for the next NaveCon. Mm-hmm. So definitely looking forward to traveling back down. Um, it was well attended. Uh and uh, yeah, there was donuts sold out in record time. Oh god, they sold out. Even there was only two left when I arrived. Yeah. And it was very, very, yeah, really just gone. Uh, so yeah, um, one other thing we're going to talk because uh, we mentioned uh, we were playing it in because we've been doing it in Clockwork Door for the past few weeks is D and D, just Dungeons and Dragons for those who don't know what the D's stand for. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, we I've been running a campaign now for almost two years. Uh, well, it's two campaigns we've done because we first, because I hadn't played in years and most of you guys hadn't played at all. Yeah. And uh, so I bought the, uh, the D&D 5th edition starter kit, which yeah. is really good. I'd really it recommend it. It only costs something like 20 quid and it has everything you need in there. It has like, uh, it, it, like the little campaign that's in it. It's surprisingly long. That took us about eight months, I think, to mm-hmm. to get through that little starter campaign. 
and um, yeah, it has yeah, it has that, and it has a list of all the monsters and magical items that are required for that campaign. Yeah, some basic sort of stuff to get your characters up to a certain level. Yeah, um, uh, so you don't need actually need the player's handbook or anything like that. Cause they, the books themselves are quite expensive. I think they're in mm-hmm. like thirty and forty euro for like a player's handbook. Yes. Um, uh, so yeah, but yeah, generally you probably do need to get yourself a player's handbook once you. But the starter kit's a good way to start off and figure out if you're liking it. And if you do, then you'll start yeah. wanting to buy the books. Like the monster manual is really good, and like the dungeon master's guide is very good as well for writing campaigns because it just has so many just little sorry cool items in them. Because these books, are not, even if you don't even use them for that, you, they're just really cool to just read because they're yeah. so well written and laid yes. out and. Um, they're just wonderful and just reading the monster manual and you'll be like reading like just the cliff notes on this monster's background and that just gives you an idea for oh I could make a cool dungeon or scenario all around this like um, in the campaign we did I was just reading through the monster manual and found the Oni and that gave me the idea for like the Gruben character because he yes, is this, uh, right. and it became this major plot line where there was like this guy in the town and there were babies being going missing and yeah and it turned out it was like this evil guy who was eating babies and inducing stillbirths so he could eat the babies yeah I never liked <laughs> him from the start <laughs> I, was, I, always, I was always suspicious of him um, so yeah so that was, that was a little running story and, so, and it's really good when you're writing it because I'm, I'm the dungeon master so I'm writing We've since we finished the starter campaign it's been one I've written completely myself yeah. uh, influenced a bit by games like Dark Souls and stuff like that so there's uh, elements of that uh, but yeah just lots of all these little stories, little subplots and side stories I probably, I'm probably i a big fan of making villains so there's probably way too many villains pop up so. oh, I think it's just about the right balance of yeah. villains really I mean we did the first um, the you know the players campaign that was a quick one we just did that for about six months and now the actual campaign we've done for a year and a half mm-hmm. so almost far. finished that and yeah because i'm currently writing the next one um uh which is going to be much bigger and we started more to, modular I, as i remember we started the original one by all waking up in different parts of a brain or something like that and then trying to find each other and then we've been inside people's minds we've in their memories we've traveled forwards and backwards in time all kinds of things mm-hmm. i mean obviously not literally but we have you know we've done it in the adventures yeah um yeah it yeah looked- yes because yeah and again a lot of it i like i'll think like because i was thinking of um um what's it uh what was it uh, uh the 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 uh, the film with Jim Carrey, um, Spotless Mind, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of what I was thinking of when I was doing the bit work because you're in that was like you're in the memories of the villain of the starter campaign. Um, that's right. He was in a coma yes. and you were trying to get information out of him by going inside his memories. So yeah. you go and you're visiting his childhood and it was just an interesting way of delivering exposition because I was trying to set up like his brother as a a, a villain in the next campaign. Uh, and um, I mean, you, you can do different things every week. I mean. One week we spent the entire time killing sticks. Another week we spent almost the entire week shopping. So, you know, it's really, you know, each the campaigns really go in different <laughs> directions. And this is, yeah, this is 5th edition, which came out just about, oh, God, almost two years now, I guess. 5th uh, edition was just released then. Uh, but, it's yeah, it's a good place to jump on. And it seems like they've really hit a sweet spot. Like, lots of people seem to be talking about D&D again. So, all of a sudden, like, they seem to have yeah. captured yes. uh, people's imagination. And lots of people want to get into it. And it's suddenly creeping into popular culture more and more. Where you look at shows like Stranger Things as well. Like, D&D was a big, big 
big part of that show. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it just sort of makes it look cool and fun. And you're like, wow, yeah. Because it does seem like it, it was, I know growing up, it was like the absolute nerdiest of nerdiest things you could do was D&D. Oh, it's, um, but it's kind of like sort of almost gotten cool now. <laughs> the word that comes to mind is zeitgeist. Yes, zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. That's exactly They've what it is. The zeitgeist. They've captured the zeitgeist. It would be a good monster in the monster manual. The zeitgeist. <laughs> Challenge rating can you, can twelve. Can you, can you if you don't kill it, you, you, you can't kill it. You have to actually capture the zeitgeist. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'd recommend trying to get get a group together. D and D. I mean, there's no. I mean, the meetup group is there for people who, if they want to uh, set up meetups for D and i I'd actually, because actually bringing us back to Cthulhu, at um, called Cthulhu is also really, really good at, um, RPG system. Um, okay. And, and yeah, the new oh, yes, version yeah, of that yes, only good. just came out a few months ago. The, their new versions yes. uh, just all came out. So I have the the big, big book, and it's a really big book uh, for that. So I would like to get a, a session going, uh, maybe in Clockwork Door uh, of um, called Cthulhu. So we'll have to see who's interested. And because uh, that's a bit more interesting because it's less, you're a lot more vulnerable in called Cthulhu because you don't, you're not it's just set in like the 1920s and you're like yeah. a gangster or a reporter or a detective that's true uh, or a newspaper boy and uh, so you're not like a, like Conan the Barbarian or a powerful wizard or something uh, but your abilities go up and down depending on how you use them as well which is yeah well the version you played was like using a gumshoe system which is slightly different okay. uh, but the standard called the Cthulhu is uh, interesting it's sort of percentage based um, and yeah the higher you get your skill the harder it is to up, uh, up, uh, go up further yeah Um so it is an interesting little system and uh, but yeah you're very vulnerable and a lot of the gameplay comes from research so it's not about like just running straight into the the haunted mansion and killing yes. the eldritch horror it's like oh wow okay you arm yourself not with spells and things like that or um, magic power or guns and stuff um, you want to arm yourself with knowledge and the more knowledge you research about, like look into the history of the mansion, find out, talk to people around town, and oh yeah, that's right. That yeah, you yeah. arm yourself with that, and that's what helps you defeat the evil. Uh, so, like eighty percent of the of a session should be you just like wandering around town, talking to people, finding out what you can about the creepy mansion on the hill, and yeah. then at the end you go up into the creepy mansion and confront what's yes. there. And uh, and yeah, if you're not if you're well prepared, then you should be able to handle it with just a slight. <laughs> hits to your sanity <laughs> uh, so yeah that's yeah until who works that way so so it makes it very very much like a, a lot of like storytelling and interaction between like the the essentially dungeon master or game master yeah. and uh, the players so to be interviewing and interrogating people in this t- creepy town i think um they should do more crossovers between board games and rpgs i've written to um alan r moon repeatedly asking him to turn Ticket to Ride into an RPG <laughs> where, um, you know, the players um, would be trains, you know, and they would go on different tracks. Oh, I'm guaranteed if you look online, there's probably a Thomas the Tank Engine RPG. There's probably a whole system. And How can you guarantee <laughs> that? Can you guarantee that? Can you guarantee it with your house? If you can guarantee it with your house... Googling Thomas the Tank Engine. Thomas the Tank Engine themed RPG on Kickstarter. Don't want to Google that. It was cancelled. It was cancelled as a subject of an intellectual property dispute. It was currently on (laughs) it. We can stop. So if you are going to do a Thomas the Tank Engine RPG, make sure you have talked to the Thomas the Tank Engine people. Exactly. Get get Ringo Starr on board and then... (laughs) For legal reasons. Um, Okay, I'm finding this. There's a subreddit called Shitty Kickstarters and it's listed there. (laughs) <laughs> well that was a fantastic idea excellent um so another great idea come from the 
from podcast. I know there's a. I know there was a really. I, I know there was a really good Fraggle Rock one. Uh, RPG system also. for Fraggle Rock, and yes. it's supposed to be brilliant because uh, yeah, you get you, and like you construct like little things and Excellent. out of candy, uh, like the yeah. dozers do. And uh, yeah. I, I'll have to dig that up because I remember someone posted up his like this massive like details uh, detailed description. And again, it's based on another system, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was adapted to work with Fraggle Rock. And cool. Fraggle Rock is coming back. HBO are going to make a new Fraggle Rock series. Zeitgeist. So yeah, the, <laughs> the Fraggle Zeitgeist. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just and like that dog and the man in the white lighthouse was always trying to catch those fraggles. Was he? I, yeah, there was the dog was the only one that could see. Remember, it was like it was like it was like it was like your dog, wasn't it? Or was it more like the Julux dog? Um, it was probably more like the Julux dog. Yeah, I would say so. Just and on he, could, he would see the fraggles and try and chase them down the hole. It's yeah. a long. I haven't seen it since it was a kid. Fraggle Rock Zone. Well, I haven't seen it at all. Oh, okay, so, so there no you go. What you're talking about? <laughs> but I imagine it was more like our dog because I know what our dog looks like. Okay. <laughs> um. And the clangers as well. That's another good one for an RPG. Oh yeah, yeah. You could really do a lot with that. I mean, you could walk around and Dunge- dungeons and soup dragons. Yes, yes. <laughs> lots of potential there. Lots of potential there. Um, but my actual, actual, uh, one of my favourite actual RPG games is Fiasco. Oh yeah. Very quickly, just mention that Fiasco is based on largely on the films of the Coen Brothers. Um, you're setting up a movie s- plot. You there are certain scenes. And they're driven by events um, and characters. You roll your characters to begin with. There's a certain setup, a scenario like a Western or a sci-fi. The characters all interact and they all have different wants and needs and they always clash. And then you actually just make up the scenes yourself in character and see where it takes you. And you usually end up with a kind of bizarre, surreal sort of movie mm-hmm. um, played through in about an hour or two. Um, it's always good fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to, I've, I've always attended to completely derail those things. Like one time I played it and it was like, it was, yeah, it was just standard sort of Coen Brothers thing. But then I started in- introducing a concept of like cloning and <laughs> well, <laughs> so it was like a yeah. hidden cloning medical facility. Well, as soon as you get cloning in, yeah. uh, it's going to, it's going to escalate rapidly. And then, then, yeah, the last one we played, I was uh, a ventri- an evil ventriloquist dummy that was possessed <laughs> by right. an ancient spirit right. from Egypt, from ancient Egypt. Yes. <laughs> and you could ma- basically manipulate my character yeah. okay, to make him do things against his will and everyone would blame him for stuff uh, so yeah yeah but yeah there's so much flexibility in that uh, fiasco system and yet again like the book is cheap enough and uh, you just yeah. pick that up and it just tells you everything you need to know yeah and there's quite a few different scenarios as well which are quite um, um, good fun uh, other than that, we should mention um, Robin David, who was on our very first uh, podcast. Uh, he was talking about some of the workshops he was given. Uh, mm-hmm. So he is a board game designer. So he's got a, a new board game design up on Kickstarter. Hopefully it'll be more successful than the Thomas the Tank Engine RPG. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is called, it's called Movable Type. So if you just search Movable Type on uh, Kickstarter or just type Movable Type Kickstarter into Google, you'll find it. Uh, I think it's got five days to go. So as listening to this, there might be four days to go <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so yeah hurry up i think it's already met its uh, it's 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 target goal so um yeah definitely it's probably worth checking out i haven't had time to look into it too much myself i think you've backed it haven't you i backed it but i have I'm, no idea what i will is. get around to backing it uh once i have the chance i haven't even had a chance to look at it yet uh it says here this uh, immovable type is a pick and pass word game for families friends and word nuts uh features high interaction and simultaneous play Word nuts? Is that like a snack you have with the game? I, no, bowl, it'd be someone who—it's someone who's nutty for words. Oh, it's not like a thing that you can yeah. eat. No, oh, I wish I hadn't backed it. Now I thought I was getting a large bag of word nuts. Come with the game, <laughs> with the Kickstarter version. I do. I actually quite like the artwork in it. So it's kind—it's kind of yeah. cool looking. Yeah, it is uh, nice. So yeah, good luck to Robin with that. We'll have to get him on again. Just discuss both that and. Um, 
just what board games he likes to play himself as well in general. And uh, um, yes, and also if anybody, any one of you um, seething millions out there um, would like to come on and talk to us about anything at all, really anything. I mean, we don't lock the door. We let people, you're free to go. So it's something we, we insist on. So if you come here and talk to us, you are free to leave at any time. So please consider it. You can come in and, and just talk about whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes. So, and again, yeah, I guess we can sort of finish up there. So just a reminder that, yeah, uh, Board Games Ireland meetups twice a week uh, in Alfie Burns uh, Sunday. So we'll be heading into the Sunday meetup now. Um, I'm hoping to play, I'm hoping to play, um, what's it called? The one with the drow again. Um, oh, um <laughs> The one with the drow. That was the episode of Friends where they. The one um, with the drow. <laughs> where they all yeah, where Monica is dating a drow elf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was hilarious. It was very, it was really groundbreaking. It was the first on-screen kiss between a, a drow, drow elf and, and a white woman, which is why it was, which is why it was banned by the networks. Unfortunately, and no one's ever seen it. Uh, yeah, it was that one. Because <laughs> I only played the ones, but unfortunately, I realised. Yeah, uh, Peter currently has my. Um, copy of it so hopefully he will have to wear one to bring it in tyrants of the tyrants underdark, of the underdeep, underdark. underdark. Um, that's the one yes and i'm hoping to play well i was hoping to play ticket to ride but i unboxed it it's just so confusing i don't uh, know i don't know okay. what to do yeah i've now. got one of those games that looks too confusing tricarion uh, oh, yeah. which i want to play because it looks great but it looks so, so complicated and all the like youtube how to play videos are like two hours long and <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh yeah it but it's like a um it's almost like the movie the prestige so it's all sort of Victor- rival victorian magicians going up against oh, nice. each other so it, it's beautifully displayed oh yes box. i have seen it. it's a lovely board yeah. lovely artwork yeah um, yeah, I would want to give so that I a picked, go. So I picked that up in the expansion uh, not that long ago, but yeah, just have not played it because uh, <laughs> it just is too intimidating, the rules. Uh, so if anyone out there knows how to play it and wants to play it, <laughs> come along and tell me. Yes, and uh, the same goes for Ticket to Ride. If there's any yes. experts out there, scientists or physicists. Or train, who, train drivers. Train driving. <laughs> if you're one of the minds behind the Thomas the Tank Engine Kickstarter, maybe you will know it. <laughs> yeah, if you're a time-traveling, train-driving physicist who knows how to play Ticket to Ride, please get in touch with Ringo me. Starr, if you you're out there he's the one <laughs> he's always been a time traveling train driving physicist i knew it yes the, um, only, the only one of the beatles who is so yeah board games are meetups every sunday afternoon in alfie burns and then every tuesday evening from seven o'clock also in alfie burns um and that's it about it so uh, anything else to say no barring any up? legal injunctions or anything we'll be back for uh, number four good 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 yeah number four and yeah we'll, we'll yeah we'll think of good things to say in number four corners really you know you name it oh we have another we're going to do corner corner for corner, sure <laughs> or corner corner corner, corner, corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes okay so thanks for listening I've been Gavin he's been Frank <laughs> I've been Frank yes uh, as so, always so thanks for listening and tune in next time okay <laughs>